Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I am Chip Chantry. Ken, I'm excited about today. I'm excited. Uh, real quick, before I introduce our guest, um, we got a couple housekeeping things to go over. Uh, a couple announcements, which I'm excited about. First is, uh, we are now going to be I Love Rock and Roll is going to be a monthly comedy show also uh, at The Stand in New York City. We're calling it I Love Rock and Roll Comedy, and we're going to book a lot of the comics that you hear on uh, this show. Some of our musical friends might be stopping by, and the first show is May 11th. At I'm the psyched. stand, Wednesday, nine o'clock. Sergio <laughs> Chacon's on it. James Mattern, Kyle Acasio, mm-hmm. all all guests that we've had multiple times. That's um, awesome, dude! Congratulations. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? That's pretty sick. Thank you. And uh, second order of housekeeping is we are we're getting listened to a lot in Russia. So somebody in Moscow has been downloading us. <laughs> um, so I just want to tell them that uh, you're being lied to. Um, your guy's a dick. Putin's a big dick. Uh, they're killing women and children and uh, knock that shit off. He, he just thought you should know. Jesus. Ken. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and also uh, smash that subscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> and now let's talk about PM Dawn. Um, uh, weren't expecting that, huh? No. What a what a tonal shift. Yeah. But let's also introduce introduce the guest. Yes. Wait, well, t- and technically, we have two two guests today, sort of. Uh, yeah. Two point five. Two point five. All right. Yeah. Or one point five. Kahuna's yeah, pulling double duty. Yeah. Um, no, our guest today is uh, the star of Clerks 1, Clerks 2, and Clerks 3 uh, coming out. Brian, when's it coming out? Uh, I've been told the fall. So that could be September to end of November. Who knows? Okay. So it's coming out like in a few months. I'm excited I'm for it. I'm psyched. Welcome, uh, welcome, yeah. Brian O'Halloran. Good to be back. Always a pleasure. Brian, you seemed uneasy with the Russia news. <laughs> well, I just was like, you're, you're like, hey, guess what? We're list, being listened to in Russia. Isn't that great? Hey, we were listened to in Russia for about two hours till they cut us off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, what if we're their only, what if we're like their only source of real news? Oh, God. Yeah. I hope not. Could you, Could you imagine? imagine? So, Tell your fellow Moscovites that the namesake battleship in your fleet was sunk by the Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. And if some mm-hmm. naval friends of yours haven't come home and won't be coming home, unfortunately, because uh, they're telling you, no, no, we're doing so good. It's, uh, they're, they decided to live in the newly acquired uh, Russian territory. Yeah. They'll send for their. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love that um, that dude that said, go fuck yourself, Russian battleship is still alive. But the Russian battleship didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> Irony. 
Yeah. So if, if you're listening in Moscow, your your Navy's not all that tough either. <laughs> I'm I'm willing to lose a listener over this. Um, we are we're talking about PM Dawn today. Kahuna, you are doubling as as not only our engineer but uh, 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 today one of today's guests. Yeah, uh, Prince B was my pop, uh, lead singer producer at PM Dawn, and. Uh, and there's craziness. There's a new documentary out about him. Yep, they did a they did an episode of him on Unsung on TV One, which uh, which I thought was VH1 for the longest time, and then turned out to be a network that no one has ever heard about. And I had to send uh, Ken a download of the episode for you to watch it. So my apologies, but uh, it's a great doc. But thank you. I thought yeah. it was I thought it was really well done, and there is some things that that. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's more or less just like getting the point across to tell in like a half hour of television or like 40 minutes. But like, it's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. Except they got my birth year wrong. But other than that, pretty accurate. Did they make you older or younger? I'm, you know what? I can't complain. I'm younger now. So I think I'm just going to go with there that you. from now on. Yeah. That's it. Now, I, I think I understood the documentary pretty well. Did your dad take over for Tony Orlando, or is that Tie a Yellow Ribbon is one of my favorite, favorite songs. It's so. way down the line. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man. That would be a mashup between PM Dawn and Tony Orlando. Tony Orlando and Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get on that, internet nerds. Yeah. One of you come up we with We want to see it. Yeah. We're just the idea people. Yeah. We don't actually do this stuff. Tie well, a yellow ribbon before I could die for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right. So, so be before oh, we really get into PM Dawn, uh, what was that process like for you to like, were you did were you a big part in that documentary or was it just sort of like they came in and interviewed you or did they get. How, how did that whole process go? Um, they had reached out maybe about a year prior because it takes them a minute to put all this stuff together. We had submitted, well, not only interviews, uh, they had asked for um, like old family photos, old home movies and stuff like that. Anything that we could provide because there's not a lot of footage of my dad outside of like the music videos and certain interviews and stuff like that. Like there was just a whole part of him that most people didn't see. So mm -hmm. we were like, let's provide that. Let's show them with me and my brother and sister. So we were involved uh, pretty early on. I think it was either a year or something like that. But they had reached mm -hmm. out before. So we knew about it. That's um, it's got to be wild to to see your dad up there, right? It <laughs> is. It is for sure. It's uh, it's very odd because for the it, Listen, the majority of my life, he was just dad. And that's still the case. Like, it, it's weird because it's like, I know and I've seen how much people loved and appreciated his music. His peers appreciated and loved his music. But then at the end of the day, like, as cool as that stuff is, none of it really matters to me. Like, it's, it's dope for sure. But it's like, that's my dad, first and foremost. Like, it's it's a dope addition because it proves my point of knowing he was cool. 
but like it's like an added bonus of just yeah, legacy absolutely. materials and you're yeah. like a, like a, and you're like a spitting image of your dad <laughs> yeah it's it's like crazy you, right yeah i've been uh people have been saying that since oh my god since i was a toddler that I looked like my dad, but it like, yeah. like a fruit, like a fruit. Have you ever out, dressed fruit, as like, your dad for Halloween. for Halloween? I, <laughs> one year I kind of did, but it was, it was just as funny because no one recognized me, but, uh, <laughs> oh no. So like colored glasses. <laughs> yeah. Colored glasses, uh, funky, uh, sky jacket. Oh, the sky jacket is what what sells it. Yeah, which we still have, by the way. We dug it out while we were moving. We have oh, a wow. t- we have a ton of stuff like that that is still uh, yet to be decided. Yeah, freaking. Oh, wow. uh, we uh, I, I should con- uh, fashion institute of technology their uh, museum division and uh, do a uh, do a viewing of all of his clothes. They would be totally hyped on that. I can't. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was dressing similar similar style as like Prince in in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't speak on what's going to happen, but some cool stuff is going to happen with a lot of his stuff, including like awards and plaques yeah. and stuff. Um, so stay tuned within like the next couple of months for that. We'll see where oh, that great. goes. But uh, but yeah, there's there's so much. We have jackets from music videos. We have his Brit awards still. Like things that have been staples of my house that like I didn't think too much of, but I go and I look at it after our move and I'm like, this is a chart where my dad is number one with set adrift and it's over Michael Jackson, yeah, Backstreet, like all these Prince, yeah, Prince, all these crazy acts. It's it it it's stuff like that that it's like it's very, very cool to hear and it's like wow. My dad was able to accomplish that. That's what's up. And when I hear what people think of his stuff, like when I just tell them or they find out in passing, it's the coolest thing in the world. Like I was telling off air, whenever I tell people, I either get two reactions. It's like, oh, three, technically. It's like, it's, oh, my God, I loved your dad. Fucking amazing. And, oh, that's so cool. I didn't listen. Or who? (laughs) And... (laughs) And uh, Brian had one that falled, that fell right into the first camp really, really well. And it was one of my favorite reactions because I can't tell you how much my dad loved the Clerks movies and all of that stuff. Like, loved all that stuff. So when your reaction will go down as like one of my favorites ever. So I appreciate it. Well, I mean, well, he, are you tell us what it was or no, it was just him like <laughs> completely flabbergasted because he didn't put it together. But then the minute like I told him, he looked at me and was like, oh, my God, like I loved your like amazing reaction. So I just uh, it goes down as one of my favorites just because of the history surrounding it and how much those movies had meant to my dad and my mom. So it was like that goes down as one of my favorites. So th- that's probably why. I literally had one of those Chris Farley scenes from SNL where he's like, oh, my God, remember that song that your dad did such and such? And, oh, my God. And this like I'm like, of course, it's son. But, you know, back in those early 90s, 
heavy rotation in my CD case. Kids ask your grandparents what CDs are. Uh, I would have things like, you know, Tribe Called Quest and Jungle Brothers and De La Soul and Arrested Development. This was that push of Afrocentric kind of music that really wasn't. Yeah, we had, of course, you know, Public Enemy and Ice Cube and Ice-T and N.W.A. and all those guys bringing in the the real street flavor, uh, you know, but you know, groups like Brand Nubian and Poor Righteous Teachers and India RE and stuff like that. That was a thing like me and my friends listen to all the time. And uh, it was nice to see that here it was this kind of like it wasn't it wasn't from the streets kind of rap. It was more of like a peace, love and the the true message of what, you know, the world in unity should be kind of thing. And it was kind of cool. And like I said, it fell into that tribe called Twest and Jungle Brothers and De La Soul, Arrested Development kind of, you know, vibe, which I enjoyed. I always enjoyed, especially the fashion that came out from that period. Yeah, I, I, the fashion I never realized until much later in life. Like I knew my dad always had funky ideas for outfits with music videos and such, but like, I, f I forgot what major magazine did an article on him, like post his passing, but they were like, PM Dawn, like, oh yeah, I just read that last. I think it was Esquire. Yeah, I, they, I might uh, be wrong. Yeah, they they did a whole piece on your dad's fashion, and I was, <laughs> I was just like, what? I remember this dude going to Disneyland in jorts. So I'm like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so very much so. Now, this may be a, a dumb question, but was he super musical at home or was he just dad at home? And then like, did, were, was he always playing records? Was he was he creating stuff ar around the house a lot or a really or great kind of combination of both? Mm -hmm. Like um, all my dad was called the nocturnal for a reason. He would make beats late, late at night. But like we had neighborhood police that lived in our area. So they knew like if someone had called late at night, they knew like, oh, we're good. We can knock on the door and be like, yo, what are you working on? Yeah. So I was raised very much just listening to all these dope samples and and him just working away trying to figure out new songs and stuff like that. I I can fall asleep like hearing really loud music because of him <laughs> like right like i can go to a concert like and if i was in a particular area of it i could, I could probably fall asleep like i'm so used to it because i'd been around it for so long like i'd remember going to sessions with my dad and him not only showing me like this is what i do but also like talking to me about life and growing up and all that type of stuff. So it was a really, really cool combination of the two. One of my favorite, uh, I don't have this memory, unfortunately, but there's photo proof of it is my, of me in a recording studio with my dad while he's producing an unreleased Bee Gees record. No. Yeah. And apparently the Gibb brothers wow. loved me. They were like, he's so cool. But like, they, we have the master tape of it in my house. No. Really? I, that I want to find a place to pl play it just so I could hear it. Because I have no idea what that would sound like. And I don't think anyone's ever heard this track before. And so this would have been like late 90s, early 2000s? 95. 95, okay. 95. Wow. wow. So... 
a really really cool combination of the two. It wasn't a dumb question at all, by the way. It was really. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a little dumb. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Your dad was really good at at sampling some really hot. They, you know, some samples, you know, mm-hmm. for the uh, sometimes they miss you so much. I mean, he did Night and Day by I'll Be Sure, which is such a great riff to pull from. I mean, even even touched on George Michael for his uh, looking for uh, looking through patient eyes. And it's well, just like father figure, right? Yeah. Yeah. The father yeah. figure song. And it's just like, damn, this this guy don't mind biting from nobody. <laughs> yeah. but he made it really he made it. He blended it in really good to where you were like. Why does this sound familiar? Hey, wait a minute. I know. I I actually think that I feel like PM Dawn, if they came, they're one of the few bands that if they came out today would be bigger than they were back then. I almost oh, yeah. feel like they were a little too weird for their time period. And back then it was you're either a rapper or your heavy metal or your rock like you had to be pigeonholed into you had to be classified as something you had to be a major genre or that was it right and your dad just it, it was like he took all of he these was like things. nah fuck that. I, I yeah <laughs> i watched a video where they were you know they they covered uh norwegian wood by the beatles now <laughs> now what band what rap act in the 90s is covering the beatles yeah, my dad loved the Beatles. Yeah, loved the Beatles. My da- mom, because my dad was raised in a household where it wasn't just like listening to a certain type of music. It wasn't just R and B and soul all the time. My dad was exposed to rock, metal, everything because we came from a very, very musical family. My grandfather, who had who had passed away before I was born, for, that I never got to meet, and he he was apparently a wedding singer, so Ooh. he had bestowed a bunch of cool musical knowledge on my dad that even i that's one of the things is i regret is i just i wish i talked to him more about like that aspect of it yeah because i have to hear from secondhand accounts for sure now but i have some knowledge but not all of it there's something about a wedding singer too that just i think there 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 was something that was said in that doc that reminded me of this but my brother is a drummer and he was a drummer in a wedding band for a bunch of years and he just knows and wedding bands and singers just know how to control a crowd i think almost more than anybody else like they just know every song to like this will get grandma on the dance floor this will get the kids on the dance floor this cools it down a little bit oh hey too many people are leaving so we need to play this song and they can just take 200 drunk people and like manipulate them for four hours at a time, which I think is, is so interesting. And I think like that's, I saw that sort of when there were, there was a comment made about like knowing kind of how to take this how to control a room to control, to how to control a room. Yeah. Yeah. That came from my, my, uh, my cousin, well, their cousin, Tim, who had came, who had come to live with them for a while and taught them how to DJ. And yeah. I thought that that was so cool. That's actually one of my favorite parts of the doc is when they explain it like that because it was never framed that way to me. So I was like, oh, that is that's a very valid point. So it was just uh, it was just cool to see it framed in that way, because I mean, it was also the point that my dad loved stories and <laughs> like telling stories like that. So for me to see everything that I'd been told, or at least that I knew of to the best of my knowledge, encompassed in a story that had a clear beginning, middle, and end. 
It was very heavy the first time I watched it, but like it's very much something that I'm like, wow, even dad would have thought this was cool. Like, yeah, this is what's up. So, but yeah. Did you get to uh, keep his collection of vinyls? Oh, yes, we record? did. <laughs> yes, we did. That, oh, that alone is definitely worth a trip down memory lane. Just a, a whole show of just going through your dad's vinyl. Oh, my God. Yeah. Freaking. So we we just moved and we had to move all of dad's vinyl. And I didn't realize how much this man had collected. When I tell you it takes up a full 10 by 15 storage unit, the whole fucking thing. Oh, wow. wow. We had a separate moving truck and company come and just pack the vinyl and move it. Wow. I'll send you the pic. I'll show you the picture <laughs> when we're done. It's crazy. And even in the photo, oh, oh, it's I believe it. I can imagine because anybody who makes beats, anybody who makes mixes like that, especially in the early 90s before digital media was able you well, I need this song to mix with it. Oh, let me just download it off of Spotify or whatever um, or Amazon. And so uh, I can imagine because I, I used to DJ with a friend of mine and loading crates of vinyl like, well, what yeah. kind of party is it? Oh, it's this party. And as you were saying before, knowing how to manipulate a crowd, same right. thing with a DJ. It's the same thing with the music choices and stuff like that. And uh, it was a workout. And you You'd get, you'd literally get the milk crates that you'd steal from a 7-Eleven or, excuse me, that Krausers or 7-Eleven or Wawa didn't <laughs> want anymore. Um, and you'd load your, you'd load your albums in that. So I can imagine someone like your dad, how many he had. Oh my God. And the weirdest ones were the, like, just crap that was so obscure that like, I would have never have thought that he would have even had it. Like mm -hmm. going through one of them, one of the piles, we found a soundtrack to a sixties British children's show that I was called that called either Stingray or Thunderbirds that I was just like, why do you have this? Like, I wish I could just ask him like, what part of this do you, did you want from this record? Did you just want to hear different orchestral arrangements, how they are overseas, but just strange ones. And then we found a soundtrack that was a seventies British cop show that we were just like, okay, we're going to listen to this. Why not? And we go to put on the first track and it turns out that it, the, their theme song or one of their chase music incidentals was was the fucking people's court theme song that had been renamed when it was brought overseas. <laughs> so I was just like, of course this is here. So That's just great. wonderful nonsense <laughs> like that. Are there, are there any samples that you know of that actually made it onto one of the albums, one of the tracks that really sticks out to you as being like really cool or just super yeah, obscure. We found, I think we found the record that he sampled Spando Ballet on. Yeah, uh, we, true. Yeah, but my oh, dad wow. would. Like, if you have that actual album, that's. My that's dad incredible. would mark vinyl. So he would mark it and like write like time code and be like 018 to 025 dope drums. And he would do that for every track. So like if you go through the collection peppered through it, there are notes from my dad. And like, I'm like, oh, those are clues. There's some gold in there. Yeah. So it, it's, it was a cool ass treasure hunt to see like, oh. And to, to fathom all these giant storage unit full of albums, your dad actually took the time out to listen to all of them just to find 
15 seconds of badass drums or 17 seconds of some really great screams or dialogue or whatever that he wanted to sample from. And I, I love those artists who can do that, who can just go, Ooh, I'm just going to take a smidge of this and put a smidge of that. We'll slap it together in the mixer and now listen to it. I mean, it's literally like chef, like putting in just a minor ride of tarragon and just a little bit of cumin, and just a little bit of pepper. Bam. Now you got, amazing spice i always thought that was cool too because there's like there's there's samples of my dad's music that i'm still like learning about and then there's also a period where it was where it was all just original stuff that he was making and then resampling himself which is bizarre well how, for the how was he making that music what like with what, it, what with like session musicians like he would okay. like yeah. uh for example like uh the album albums after like uh the bliss album and stuff like that or uh i'm trying to think of the other name albums that included like plastic and norwegian wood after that point my dad had started to implement using like session players that we're still cool with to this day mm -hmm. so like uh the album dearest christian for example is mostly like just original compositions there's no like okay. real sampling about it because my dad's grife was that it was like people were dissing pm dawn so much that they were he was just like all right i won't rap but i'll still make music and dearest christian is him making just r&b with slight hip-hop tongue-in-cheek feeling to it so so you so that christian is you yeah so you have you have an album named after you not only do it does it is it named after me i'm in it my voice is at the very end of the record and I really? didn't know that for years. I had forgotten. I had probably been told many times, but I had forgotten. And then right after my dad had passed, I list. I just was like, you know what? I want to listen to this whole record. And I was like, okay, thanks, pop. And then when I thought it was done, I hear my fucking voice talking to my dad. What are you saying, Dad? Are you finished with your lalas? <laughs> <laughs> and him and I just have like this very brief conversation. And he's like, "Yeah, tell Mikey bye bye." The engineer, who we're still cool with, and I'm like, "Bye bye, Mikey, bye bye." And then my dad's like, "You want to go hear yourself on the speaker?" What? what <laughs> what's the What's the full name of the album? It's Dear, dearest, dearest Christian. I'm sorry for bringing you here. Yeah, dearest Christian. I'm so very sorry for bringing you here. Love, Dad. And not many many people think that it's like, oh, he regrets having children. Which, to be honest with you, when I first heard it, that's what I thought. But no, it was <laughs> it was more or less just he always wanted to be a dad. Yeah. Always. And th my mom had told me that, like, even when they were dating initially, like, it just came up in discussion because that's what they both wanted. And at the time, he wa it, I was definitely welcome, but he was like, oh, my God, the world's fucking nuts right now. That's how I took it when, yeah. when I heard it. Like, I'm sorry for bringing you into a fucked up world. Yeah, it was more or less just like, I'm sorry the world's crazy right now, but I know you have the tools to to fix it or do something about it, which in hindsight is the craziest shit to me because I'm just, whoa, my dad left me like notes to like think about and stuff like that. So that whole like explaining that to people is is a weird balance because most people will be like he just didn't want kids and i'm like no nah, it's it's way deeper than that yeah no it's it's that's how i when i read the title that's how i took it i didn't that would be a, that'd be a fucked up thing to no some people have missed <laughs> no some people have talked to me like that they're like you sure i'm like i'm 
I'm pretty damn sure because there's because there's three there's three of us motherfucker. (laughs) Wouldn't it be funny if the title was like "Dearest Christian, You Were a Mistake." (laughs) Dearest Christian slipped one past the goalie, (laughs) but welcome anyway. Shit. Do you ever do you ever flex with your brother and sister? Like you take out the garbage. I have an album named after me. Never. Ne- they don't have I, albums I, named after them. I, I probably should, <laughs> but no, never done that. Never, never put any sort of creative competition amongst the, ourselves. Like we were, we were all very creative. Yeah. So. My dad, my mom just made sure that they fostered an environment where that was cool. Where it was just like, yes, express yourself. Do what you got to do. Don't worry about my legacy. Create your own. So it was more or less that type of environment. No uh, no fucking fight club scenarios played out in the Cornette's house. <laughs> Dad named an album after me, not you. Fuck you. Yeah, just yeah we were raised. Baby in, fight club. We were raised in very different homes. I would have... <laughs> I would have I would have woken up every morning smacking my siblings in the face with that album. You're like, where's your record, you fucking loser? Brian, you're from like an Irish Catholic. I, I feel like it's probably the same with you. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Who's going to be the who's going to be the priest of the family? None of us are the priest. <laughs> you know, Jewish families are like doctor, lawyer. Irish families are like, just don't be doing the drink and become a priest. <laughs> so, uh, the question with all this music in your house uh did you ever thought christian yourself into going into music um not initially because it seemed like all right my dad's doing that my brother and sister do music and it just seemed like hey, i guess i'll just do something else and for me that was film so i'm a filmmaker first and foremost but then Maybe about seven or eight years ago, it, the bug finally bit me where I just started writing songs. And then uh, and then I started putting out some music. And then, funny enough, I ended up getting a job with Mattel. The the toy company I ended up writing songs for fucking Thomas the Tank Engine for a hot second. Really? Yeah, I wrote songs for their YouTube channel. And uh, and then after that, I, I just... I mean- bad i mean ringo star once worked with thomas the tank so. <laughs> and then my dad had sampled the beatles so it's all full circle so <laughs> but um but no it was more or less just like all right i guess i'll tap into that part of myself i also try and make beats on occasion but like my brother is the superior beat maker he's fucking amazing when it comes to that shit so i just kind of knew and i was like you know what maybe i'll just uh stick to writing silly songs and i'll make a christmas album no one in my Here, family will do that. Christmas album's great, man. It's, it's, I, uh, I I love it. It's I got a couple of those tunes in my new Christmas rotation. <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, but by the way, speaking of uh, somebody had brought up Ringo Starr. Speaking of him, he was in a very interesting movie back in the seventies called The Son of Dracula, and I'd like to get into that for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> do we have to? Now that we're all here. <laughs> Do we really have to? Felt bad giving Brian the, homework for that episode. About, yes. It's uh, it's an episode. If you want to go to the back catalog of this wonderful show, listen to that episode. It was a fun episode. It's a great episode. Horrible movie. It is. <laughs> so I went back. So I, last night I was listening to uh, I was listening to PM Dawn. Uh, I was on YouTube mm-hmm. and um, 
I was watching the video for Is that youtube.com? youtube.com. Okay, let me write that down. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the video for I Die Without You and I forgot how fucking great that song is. And then um I was reading the story behind it. And Eddie Murphy actually called your dad up out of the blue. I'm sure you know the story. Yeah, he called my dad out of the blue and was just like, hey, can you make a song for our movie? Yeah, well, what I heard was he he wanted to write music with your dad and your uncle. And um, a lot of people don't know Eddie Murphy's like actually a very accomplished musician. Very, very talented. Yeah. And uh, your, I guess your dad and your uncle went out to his home studio and they were trying to write something. And then it sounds like Eddie kind of was like, didn't want to do any work because then he was like, you know what would be better? He was like, I have a movie coming out and you guys should write a song for the soundtrack. And the soundtrack was almost already done. And Boomerang. I forget. Yeah. Boomerang. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I forget who the, the musical producer, the, the musical director of the soundtrack was somebody famous. It we was, have Google. It, I shall look this up for you. It was like Melly Mel or somebody like that. And um, he, he and Eddie Murphy told your dad, like, the soundtrack's just about squared away. But if you if you guys write a song, I know it'll be great. And I'll, I'll put it right in their hands. And uh, your dad wrote, I'd die without you. And um, the rest is history. The rest is history. And then uh, what I also heard, which I thought was super interesting, off the strength of that song. Um, oh, that's who it was. It was Baby. Was it Babyface? Babyface. Yeah, Babyface was the musical director. Um, off the strength of that song, then Elton John called your dad out of the blue. Yeah. And, and asked him to be on uh, his duets album. That's one of my personal favorites. Yeah. I love that song. Freaking, because uh, out of all the people that my dad would collaborate, like, one of the ones I never realized would uh, or thought would be Elton John. I just, I thought that was so fucking cool. And the yeah. fact that my dad wrote it, not Elton. Like, my dad wrote an Elton John-esque tune for Elton John, and it's and it could blend into his catalog with ease. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was a collaborative thing where, well, not collaborative in the sense of like Elton and my dad would go back and forth. It was like, I would love you to appear on the album. Do you have anything? And my dad was like, I got this one. And that's, uh, that's that track. That's and, and just looking back at the, like at the, at the end when there was those tweets from, from people, uh, when your dad passed away, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Justin Timberlake, Chris Rock, Quest, Questlove called him. Uh, he could have been hip hop's Brian Wilson. Like that's that's crazy. That one, that one still makes me like well up because I, oh, yeah. you guys know how much I, I adore the Beach Boys. So for Questlove yeah. to say that, fucking yeah. Are you sure he just wasn't saying your dad had some kind of drug problem? I <laughs> 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 he, he helmets in the studio. That's a, that was that was where the yeah. No, nah, it wasn't fire. It wasn't fire helmets. It was football helmets. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. No, nah, but uh, but I just I yeah that, I appreciated that. that. That had to have. Uh, I mean, that's crazy, right? It's, nutty. The Lin Manuel one was nutty too, because. Come on, it's Lynn Manuel Miranda. Yeah. That was crazy. But uh What's that guy done? <laughs> I don't know. This little off Broadway show, uh, Hamilton. I heard it's all right. 
I remember my my dad was telling me he was like, you have to hear, you have to listen to him. And I hate, I, I think I'm on record as saying I hate musicals. I've never, I've never seen a musical that I've enjoyed in my life. And my dad was telling, it's just I could watch a play no problem or i can like see a concert no problem but when you combine them i lose my shit i don't know why um apparently you've never seen a little musical by the name of bye bye birdie let me tell you about it (laughs) (laughs) and my i remember uh when my dad was alive he was telling me oh you you have to you have to listen to the hamilton soundtrack it's um it's it's them telling the history of america and slavery but through rap and i was like oh if you like that you should check out public enemy and i played my dad some of that and he only it turns out he only liked a very specific type (laughs) of of hip-hop history lesson (laughs) oh god um but that's got to be wild like so your your dad and your your uncle start this group uh in the late 80s and your dad earns money. Your dad had a job as a night as a nighttime security watchman. Mm-hmm. And your dad scrapes together six hundred bucks to make a demo. Um, oh, to a forgetful mind. Yeah, which uh, which doesn't do much here, but then England gets a hold of him and blows uh, up overseas. Yeah. It sounds it's it's there was something about uh, I mean, how many times have we heard that story where, where, where artists just go completely unappreciated here, but then and, have a huge and, following over there and then and then the UK just embraces them immediately. Like what was the weird family we were talking about a couple of weeks ago? Oh, the Kelly, Kelly family. <laughs> um, no, but like Jimi I mean, Hendrix, the New York Dolls. Look, I mean, a lot look, of those punk bands, the Ramones. They they David they all Hasselhoff. had David Hasselhoff. Yeah, the oh Hoff. The Hoff had a mu- the Hoff had a musical career. Are you serious? Ooh. David Hasselhoff. He practically is- could have been the chancellor of Germany. David Hasselhoff yeah. is like the Beatles of Germany. Of Germany. I I knew that one song he had made a couple of years ago, True Survivor. I thought that was like I knew it was like a parody of like '80s soundtrack songs. I thought it was cool, but that dude has like a whole. Discography? That dude is like Germany's Elvis. Yeah, no, for real. I I think that's a topic we're doing soon. When the when the when the Berlin Wall came down, David Hasselhoff was on top performing. What? Did your dad perform at the fall of the Berlin Wall? I don't believe so. No, I don't think he did. No shit. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to be on that episode. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think we need to do a Hasselhoff episode soon. That. That's I'd be into that. I just all I knew about David Hasselhoff was that he was in Knight Rider, SpongeBob, and he really liked cheeseburgers when he was drunk. That was all I knew. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a great video. I forgot yeah. about. Thanks for reminding me. You will watch that tonight. This is a mess. I um one one night. Uh, years ago, we were out celebrating my birthday, and I was. I was probably a lot drunker than I needed to be. And um, they have video. Somebody pulled out their phone and started recording. And uh, I was talking to my nephew, who at the time was probably 16 years old or something or younger even. 
And I kept telling him, I was like, uh, uh, Billy, I'm driving us home tonight. You're going to fucking die. I'm going to wrap the car around a telephone pole and kill us both. It's going to be great. Good Lord. Yeah, I don't know. I was super drunk. I don't remember doing it. It's just somebody got video. And I just kept telling him, was like, enjoy your last meal, pussy. And and I didn't drive. It was just me joking. But I And then uh, whoever was recording, uh, you just hear my brother at the very tail end right before the video cuts out. He's like... This is really sad, like when David Hasselhoff ate those cheeseburgers <laughs> off the floor. <laughs> uh, and that was also the last time you saw your nephew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, you were, so I learned some wild things in that documentary. Um, so, your dad had some beefs with other artists at the time yeah which 100 which um and it it uh, he gave this famous detail interview in the details magazine mm -hmm. and um apparently he, he was giving he, he was talking to the reporter off the record yeah and then the reporter went and put it all in the story yeah um he was saying like like Karis one is a teacher, a teacher of what? And a, a bunch of other, frankly, should have been off the record things. Right. And then Karis one obviously heard it and responded. And there was that famous incident where they threw PM Dawn off the stage. That that happened. Yeah. PM Dawn had a concert and KRS one and, and some of the people from Boogie Down Productions show up. Mm-hmm. And they they tossed PM Dawn off the stage. Well, they okay. They actually well, tossed my uncle. Yeah, from what I had gathered, just him. My dad was able to get off the stage, but apparently it was my uncle. That, and, uh, and then they and then boogie down and then uh, KRS. And it became a KRS One show. Yeah, yeah, that happened. And I, then yeah. And then my dad had, and then they went back and forth, like privately, the two camps did. And then my dad released uh, Plastic yeah. as a diss Plastic track. great track. Yeah. Which I didn't appreciate until I got much older. Like I listened to it and I was like, whoa, this actually like, this hits pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. But then what most people don't know is that they squashed that beef almost as quickly as it started. Like, yeah. like the the thing did happen where the stage tossing did happen, and then plastic. But like behind the scenes, they they quickly squashed that between the two camps. So much so that like there were plans before my dad had gotten sick. Unfortunately, like Harris one and my dad were supposedly going to work together on some stuff. Oh wow! So, and they were they were cool in the gang towards the end. Even I think even Harris one reached out when my dad like was in like his last couple of days. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's did do do you know did your did your dad regret because that because you look up your dad now and and this is thirty years later mm -hmm. and that is still a big thing that's talked that's about still one of the first things mentioned like that we never really talked about it much it was yeah. more or less just like you know what I think he he didn't want us to focus too much on that I think he was more or less just kind of focused on like trying to make sure we were raised right and make sure all the things were good. Like there was a lot of stuff that I just didn't know about growing up. Like I didn't understand 
dearest Christian until I was much older. I didn't understand plastic until I was much older. I didn't delve deep into past interviews, like all this other stuff until I was older, just because he was dad. That was it. Yeah. That's. And yeah, cool. He was PM'd on. But like, that was just my my dad at the end of the day, who was a guy who, like any other human being, would have their own good days and bad days. So that was kind of like, that was just the realization of like, he got to have those, but just in a very public form. Yeah. So I, I was surprised because when I, uh, I, you know, I did a search on Rolling Stone and one of the first articles that came up was like the top 10 rap beefs of all time. Where did my dad rank? Well, I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> the number. He, I think he was uh, he was right behind uh, Will Smith and parents. <laughs> 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 now it's Will Smith in the Academy. But uh, that's that's for a later discussion. Yeah, no, that's uh, it wasn't talked about much at all. Yeah. And uh I'd, I'd found out later for sure that it was more or less fine. It was fine now. Yeah. Oh, and that's good to know. Yeah. I th- I do think he resented the fact. Sorry, Brian. I was just saying it's weird, too, because I was a I was I'm a huge fan of KR, KRS-One. I mean, I was born and raised in the Bronx until the age of 10 and to, to see the Bronx represent. And I I enjoyed his albums. I enjoyed his uh, lyrics and his messages that he was putting forth where when a beat when a beef of those two were going on, I was like, what is PM Dawn got to do with y'all. Your beef is with the industry and his success and the fact that the industry made him the first African-American rapper to get an award. Your beef is with an academy. It has nothing to do with your dad or that group or nothing. And so I always thought the beef was misdirected in general. Yeah. I won't lie. There were, I mean... I've, it should have been kept off the record for sure. I could understand that being like a private thing you say amongst what you think is right. a, is a right. peer. Right. But right. then for them to go around and just put that in is just is is foul. Yeah. So yeah. I do think that my dad hated that it was like the one of the things that was like mainly talked about and not the music. But now people are starting to like realize like oh no like PM Dawn like did sampling right. Like in a big yeah. bad way, and that's really cool to see. And it really does sound like going back and listening to it now. Like it doesn't. It, it's to a certain extent, it's of its time of the '90s. But like just the samples he uses, it really does. A lot of the tracks seem really timeless. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen. I mean, when NBC did that show, "Hit Me Baby One More Time," where they brought what they called one hit wonders, but we know your dad, BM Dawn was not a one hit wonder. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. swept the whole competition just to show that people still loved that style of music, still loved the message that they brought. So, you know, I, like, like I said earlier, they were way ahead of their time. Yeah. I remember them uh, filming that they came over like NBC sent a whole crew and they filmed at my house. I'm in the background of that documentary playing with a little RC car because like they would do like retrospectives of where everyone was at. So they sent like a crew and they had clips of my dad playing video games because we have he had also collected stand up arcade machines for a very long time. 
and it was uh, it's one of those memories that I'm like I have that ingrained. It was one of the coolest things because like an official crew that had the lighting and audio and all that shit. So little filmmaker Christian was like, "This is amazing." What was your favorite stand-up video arcade game? Oh, mine. Oh, he had yeah. Burger Time. Burger Time was my Burger Time was pretty great. Burger Time's my favorite. Burger Time has my high score. Did your dad have NBA Jam? Because I'll I'll take that off. <laughs> Probably at one time or another he did, but towards uh, we have Burger Time, Donkey Kong Jr., Miss Pac-Man, Centipede, and Neo Geo. Neo Geo has like five games built into it. One of them, I think, is Street Fighter. Yeah. But I'm not entirely sure. I spent a lot of my dad's good money on Donkey Kong Jr. (laughs) Hey, I got I got the the keys that unlock the cabinet. So if you ever find one, I'll get you one, Brian. <laughs> but yeah, Dad, uh, there was a lot that uh, of things that my dad had wanted to do too, that not many people get to realize. Like my dad really, really wanted to branch into like film and television mm-hmm. in a big mm-hmm. bad way, but just time. <laughs> And the course of the industry had changed so much that it was becoming increasingly difficult. Uh, so, um, he around 2000, he had actually tried to get a song in the in the Spider-Man soundtrack called "True Believer," and uh, that might oh, snap. That, that uh, that's like one of my favorite unreleased PM Dawn tracks ever. There's enough unreleased material that we could put out another record. Could you? Could you do? I mean, but you've got the uh, the whole legal thing with what once your dad's we get that cousin. squared away. Can you just put it out under your dad's real name? Under Prince. Well, the 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 problem is is that PM Dawn is the more recognizable right. name. Mm-hmm. People do know he was called Prince B, but most people just remember him as. PM Dawn. Yeah. PM Dawn. And they kind of rope my uncle into that as well, which is true. But once that whole situation gets squared away, which we're working towards in a, in a positive light, we will be able to release more stuff as PM Dawn. Mm. But until then, not at this time. Yeah. But, uh, but there is a lot of stuff. We have my dad's old laptop that has all these just, I wish we could do something with these, but it's just old beats just t- hundreds of old beats that he had made and a couple of them samples that I had pointed out to him that he ended up using oh, in beats. So, cool. so I always found that dope, but, uh, but there's a lot to be done with the music that I mean, uh, an unreleased Bee Gees album is, is I mean, can, can we have like, can we have a listening party at least? Like, what what can we do with this? I I feel like we can go to a place, any record. I probably could go to There's like recording, recording studios, studios in Red Bank. That, but it has to be like a specialty tape. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's an old. Uh, I forget the actual like specific name. Real to real. Yeah, real to real. Uh, real to real. But it's also like a. There's a different levels of real to real tape. There's thinner ones. There's the thicker ones. But it's one of the the big ones, so mm-hmm. I have to go there, put it on a player. I'm not saying Sweet. we should rent out a studio and smoke weed and listen to your dad's Bee Gees album, but I'm not not saying that. <laughs> you, you know, like wink, wink. Not I, I hear I hear what you're putting down. Um, While we're playing, 
Donkey Kong and Burger Time. Oh, yeah, man. Just give it's me Chip and right Ryan now. your dad's old shit, and we'll we'll have we'll, a blast. We'll take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a good feeling. I have a good feeling about that. Um, but yeah, man, it was crazy growing up like that. Like just realizing that my dad had basically this whole alter ego Superman that I kind of knew about. But not too much. But by, but so by the time you're you're you've grown up to an yeah. extent that you can understand what your dad did for a living. Yeah. Was was he still active as PM? Was he still yeah. touring? He toured up until about 2007, mm-hmm. probably a little earlier when it was when it really got bad. But he was always on the road. There was a whole there was a whole summer I went on tour with him. That was one of the coolest experiences I ever had. He, and I talk about this actually in the doc, he brought me up on stage in San Francisco and he was like, everybody, this is my son, Christian. And everybody was like, what's up, Christian? (laughs) And he's like, my son knows the most useless information I've ever heard, but it's awesome. (laughs) And everybody was like, this is amazing. And then he's like, my kid's going to write Goonies too. (laughs) And like, I just, just the crowd reactions. I will always remember because he, he knew how to do that really, really well was move a crowd. So yeah. When, when your dad, when PM Don toured in those later years, was it still just your dad and uncle? Um, did he ever have a backing band? He did for a short period of time, but, uh, Towards the early 2000s, it kind of became simplified, where it was just him, a hype man, and a and a DJ. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I was like, you know what? That's easy enough. It, it's easy enough because people still just want that music. It doesn't need to have a full backing band because that's just expensive. Yeah, oh, sure. To tour yeah. with a whole band, we actually still have road cases of PM Dawn that just just. Uh, these big purple rolling cases that we should probably put records in that was all music equipment storage, all gear and stuff like that. When we were moving again, we found, we open one and we find master tapes of like recordings for like, I die without you dat files for all that type of shit. Mm -hmm. And it's just the coolest thing in the world. So, but yeah, he would tour with uh, a DJ and a hype man more or less later in the career, but for a while there was a full band. That's so cool. There's nothing. Uh, there's there's something so cool about live hip hop with a band. You gotta tell me. I I saw um I saw Outcast in a, a full band, in a small theater with a full band, no DJ, full band. Like oh a like God. a funk band, and it was incredible. It was incredible. It was like you like your jaw hit the floor. Like oh my God, this is so fucking good. Uh, there was a there was a Wu Tang Clan show. They'd done that a couple of times too, where they would have full backing bands. They had also collaborated with a with an orchestra that I'd seen on a couple of clips. This is Wu Tang. So. Yeah, but just. Just I I appreciate that as well. I love seeing hip hop acts with a full band because I'm always curious how they interpret it with actual instruments. How does I how does Wu Tang even fit a full band on this? It's a big ass stage. Yeah, there's got to be like (laughs) thirty of them. It's a big ass stage. For some reason, 
cuts in in between songs. I don't know. Let's say a couple of actors start telling a storyline. You're out, right? <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> now I'm telling you, even musicals. I like. Here's when I knew I didn't like musicals. I got taken to see Book of Mormon. And I was like, all right, it's the South Park guys. I fucking love South Park. I, you know. Did you hate existence while you were sitting there? Just. I, um, within five minutes of the show starting, I was like, oh, I've made a giant mistake. <laughs> like, oh, God. Oh, man. Like, I went, I remember going to see, um, I went to see Tommy on Broadway, you know, like the who it was one of growing up. It was one of my favorite albums. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this is the who. And, you know, it had Pete Townsend's full backing and, 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 uh, permission. And, uh, I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm not going to love Tommy. And, uh, it was like, oh, here's Tommy, but we're going to take out all the cool religious cult shit and the drugs and the sex. I was like, well, that doesn't live. It just leaves you with a blind kid playing pinball. It's not that exciting. And it was just called Tom. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was Thomas. <laughs> it was much lamer. And instead of becoming a uh, messiah, he just he grows up and becomes an accountant. Oh, my God. there's um what were some other like uh acts that you guys had listened to back in the day because i know brian you were you were talking about uh jungle brothers uh tribe called quest what are some other acts that you were listening to around that time that like that's probably how you found my dad like do you recall how you found PM Dawn, Ken, even before I met you. It was so I'm going to be honest. I didn't I I never like I knew the song. I, I knew the boomerang song. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be honest. It's OK. I loved uh, all the stuff that Brian was talking about at the beginning of the episode. I loved all of the native tongues. Uh, De La Soul to this day is my favorite rap act of all time. De La Soul is Dead is one of those hip hop albums that changed my life. Um, I would back then, because I was guilty of the same thing that everybody in the industry was doing, I would look at your dad and would be like, oh, that just seems too weird for me. Like, I don't know what that is, you know? So I I was aware of him. It's I didn't dislike him. I just didn't didn't fully delve into I it. I didn't I didn't delve into it. I know when I saw Boomerang, I was like, oh, that song's fucking that's a great song. You know, and he's actually singing on it. Mm-hmm. Um it's not a rap song. So I didn't it really wasn't until starting this podcast and meeting you that I was like, oh, I should go back. I should go back and check out his dad's music. And then, of course, I did. And I love it. And and I do think I do think that if they came out now, the the way everything today is is genre bending and, and you know, everybody's just throwing in different styles and influences and nothing's labeled and everybody's okay with it. I I think that, I think they would have been, uh, I think they would have, I think they were ahead of their time. I think they would have been even bigger today. 
Absolutely. And, and the way that I found out about it too, like I was a kid who like, I didn't listen to a lot of hip hop until later till I got to like college and then kind of went back. But yeah, I grew up listening to like just what was on the radio and then, you know, did my Beatles phase and all that in middle school. And then uh, set adrift came out. I was in like eighth grade. So it was like the perfect time. It was, I just, it was everywhere. Like you couldn't avoid that song. It was number one. And it w- I was just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And this is different than anything else. And I loved it. Like, I was just like, I was all in. And then literally like I went in ninth grade and Nirvana happened. And then I just was just a grunge kid. But like, there was that moment where it was just like the biggest thing in the world. And it was, I, I always loved that song. And just to, to go back, I did the same thing Ken did like just over the last year or so, like going back and listening to it. And it's like, it's amazing. And, and definitely stands up today. It's, it's, it's so good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a fan of uh, of Spando Ballet and Depeche Mode and Soft Cell and all those type of bands back then. So when your dad sampled True uh, by Spando Ballet, I was just like, whoa, that's a that's a hot lick. That's that's a good sample. I love this sample. It's really good. And looking into more into it, like I said, I was already into Tribe and Jungle Brothers and, and all these great bands back in the day when they were touring and stuff. Uh, so to see where this not not everything in the African-American community is gangster rap hip hop that's going to make the charts, you know, the the hip hop that slash jazz slash blues slash fusion kind of thing. Um, was nice to see and to see that you can still get a message out without talking about me and my boys are going to hit the club and then when we're done we're going to go and we're going to gank your ass and we're going to wet your posse and we're, you know, we're going to do all this other stuff as you could tell I was rolling deep with the mobs back then um, <laughs> <laughs> you know you should release a hip hop record I'll produce it shit yeah we hey, can if we, we can just Let's dig up Quick. your dad's old beats. We'll call yeah. it. We'll call it. Oh, Hollerant. <laughs> Hollerant. Tra- tra- tracks from the storage unit. <laughs> <laughs> that now that's a podcast. Shit. <laughs> Just going through my dad's stuff. Um, that's crazy to me, man. Friggin. Even hearing this stuff, I'm sorry. That's like, it's still surreal, and I think it's more surreal just because he's not here that I can't be like, yo, fucking Dante from Clerks loves your shit, dude. Like, I, I wish I could just. But you know what, though? Yeah. In the end, when you think about those times you spent with your dad, my dad passed away when I was 15, so I didn't get to, like, if if he had lived a healthy, long life, I don't know if I would have gotten into acting. I, he was into automotive mechanics and engineering. I loved being with him at his job and stuff like that. So the influence that your dad had on your life and how you're saying he really wanted to get into television and movies and stuff like that, and you're you're your siblings went into the music business, the destiny that he wanted to do, the legacy he wanted to leave now lives in you and you can carry that part of him that he didn't get to do and do you son. Yeah. And do, do the filmmaking thing and still be Prince B's son, but also Christian, the filmmaker. That's the goal. Thank yeah. you. And write Goonies too. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm ready for it. I won't direct. I no idea. You were the one that was doing that. Get on that, son. Yeah. <laughs> let me <laughs> call. Waiting, let me Christian. call my. Let me call Steven and Be like, yo, we're making Goonies too right now. Yeah, no. And also give give uh, Cindy Lauper a call. We're like, listen, you did the big song the first time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you do it the second time, but uh, you're gonna ha- you got to feature Lizzo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, shit. I have a couple title suggestions. Go for it. Uh, Toonies. <laughs> Or um, or uh, Kahunis. I don't know what's worse. I don't know what's worse. The fact that you that you said it, or the fact that you made full eye contact with me while you said it. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Chip is is your dad still alive? Yes. Fucking yeah. show off. Yeah. He, sorry, sorry, guys. Fuck you, Chip. Guys. This is the Dead Dads podcast. <laughs> yeah, he was. Let me just leave now. Yeah, he he was actually. Yeah, he was in. Uh, he was in uh, Arrested Development for just a very, a very short time. <laughs> <laughs> very short time. There was something that you were talking about before, Chip, where it was like my dad had, uh, and then the grunge movement movement had come out. Yeah, my dad was a real big fan of all that shit. That's why I think a lot of. Alternative stations started to adopt PM Dawn after the after hip hop kind of shunned them, right? And the, Ken, you had told me about this. I didn't even know that this clip existed of Dave Grohl being interviewed for a yeah. Nirvana Town Hall, and I didn't know that my dad had reached out to Dave and was like, "Dude, this album's fucking amazing. Like, this is going to be the next big thing." And then we all know how Nirvana's story plays out. Yeah. Wouldn't that be crazy if it was just your dad bought all 80 million copies? So that's <laughs> they, where all that is. So that's what really all those records are. It's all just Nirvana. Makes they, sense. They weren't even really that big. They just, <laughs> they just got all bought by one psycho. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, so good well so uh so what's what's next um Any, i mean i know i i don't know if you want to go in the detail i, I know you're detail. like you, your your dad's cousin yeah uh, he he uh he was brought on towards the end when my dad was getting really sick as a hype man and uh was able to get the naming rights and all that stuff to pm dawn so once we get all that stuff squared away and handled which it will be we're going to try and push the catalog more and yeah try and get it into more films and tv which it's slowly starting to happen like i people my friends will text me and be like yo i just heard pm dawn on power i was like what on book two ghost whatever i was like okay that's awesome yeah but uh what I'm starting to do now, and I'm doing interviews for it, is I'm actually going to at least try and write my dad's story. At least at least uh, doing some sort of film where it's uh, possibly doing a, a bit of an unconventional biopic. Because my dad really wanted things to be different in his own lifestyle. He liked the different movies. He liked things that were kind of out there. So I was like, all right, let me do how I won't do the traditional biopic because I already know how the story ends. But 
what about what about a story that it's like what if you talked about and covered the day before your life changed forever yeah what was my dad's last day as like a quote-unquote normal person before everything changed for him yeah but then also showing the influences and stuff like that it was probably just him at his security job just waving people into the building not fuck all these people yeah (laughs) take whatever the fuck you want i'm not gonna be here tomorrow he did that he worked at the mailroom of warlocks so there's there's a lot but i start i'm gonna start doing interviews with my surviving uncles about all that stuff see what i can piece together so there's that that. and then uh and then that's really it well i don't uh i don't want to point out the super obvious about who could actually play your dad but we have a movie star right here on zoom with us yeah Yeah, brian o'halloran as prince b i think he could do it yeah, I think it I was it, it was it was either between you, Brian, or Ken Krantz, but we'll we'll figure it out. Mm. That's what uh, we'll figure out in casting. Can you, Brian, <laughs> can you sing? <laughs> oh yeah, I can sing. You heard me rap earlier. And you know my street cred. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dad did like things different, so we'll do it. <laughs> You'll play the twenty-year-old version of my pop. He'll be honored. There you go. <laughs> People will just have to do the disbelief. You know, it's like uh, in Doctor Strange, where the ancient one is not Asian. Yeah. Right. Or like Bob Dylan with that movie. They had like 11 different people playing. Yeah. It. Or uh, Ringo Starr playing Merlin. Merlin. I bring Merlin in. Yeah, I'm into it. And yeah. An Academy Award winning performance from, from Ringo like, Starr. M- m- I see, I see, okay, I see Brian as Merlin, uh, Brian as Ringo as Merlin looking into that screen of like what's going to happen in the world that Merlin is, but then you pan back and it's just burger time. I think it's just, <laughs> just, just like <laughs> Merlin playing burger time. And oh my I, God. I think, that's, I think that's your movie. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. All right. Well, uh, where can people find this documentary again? Uh, TV one TV one. They've been airing reruns of it. It'll probably be on YouTube at some point or another. Uh, uh, I really wish I had a better answer for you on that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, but find it. It's, it's, it's really interesting to watch, but yeah, thank you guys for, uh, let me be, be a part of this. Glad to be oh, an yeah. episode. Thank you for, for chip and on. I were actually on the fence. Uh, chip yeah. didn't want you to be a part of this. I was like, it's all good. I knew you guys yeah, wanted we were to gonna talk wait until sh- Ming was here one week. Just, and then just, <laughs> just, do it. just talk a whole bunch of shit. It's yeah. all good. We were yeah. like, we wanted to do a PM Dawn episode. We, just, we just don't we, want Kahuna. We thought there yeah. was maybe <laughs> better guests. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brian, uh, clerks three and in, in the fall. In the fall, I've been told uh, uh, just recently. So, uh, look, between, uh, I guess, the months of September and November. So, uh, once we have a more definite date, uh, just come to my Instagram or my Facebook or my Twitter account, uh, and you can see the links. I'll be blowing it up. You haven't actually asked, but um, I, I, I'll go, I'll do the red carpet with you for the premiere. 
That's really nice. Oh, all right. you, Ken. That's yeah. really nice you to offer. Yeah. I see you already have the red curtain behind you, so it's just <laughs> this is this is I I I practice. This is me practicing. And he'll put his nice sweatshirt on. My big, so. I'll wear I'll wear also, my nice uh, I'll shave. I'll wear my nice hoodie. Right. Which also answers the, the age old question. The curtain does match the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. And I heard you were doing this episode. I'll back. Totally want to be a part of it. <laughs> thank you, man. Yeah. Always a pleasure. All right. Chip. Uh, oh, and come see me and Chip May 11th yeah. at the stand in New York City. Yeah. Do they have to? Um, I, I, I will guarantee this. If you come on May 11th to see it, I will push Ken off stage and just start doing a set. Yes. That's I'm in. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, and uh, come, uh, come to the secret stash bash May 7th and 8th. And that'll give you enough energy to then go see Ken and Chip. So, what, uh, what's the secret stash bash? Uh, 25 years of being a store. And it's going to be uh, Kevin and Jay and myself and Jeff Anderson and Trevor Furman and Marilyn Gigliotti and Scott Schiaffo and Ernie O'Donnell and all these people from Clerks. It's uh, two days of fun uh, with uh, come to the store, get some really great swag. Uh, and then there's a huge Q&A uh, both nights with all That's of great. us. It's going to be amazing. Okay. I can moderate yeah. that for you. <laughs> sure. I'm just stepping. I'm just stepping up and volunteering my services for anything you need, Brian. I'll I'll come to that. You Kahuna, you're gonna. You're I'll gonna be there. That? I'll be working. Yeah, I'll check that out. It snowed up here last night. If you want to come up here and shovel. <laughs> it snowed up there. Oh good. No. Wow. You have a you have a girlfriend for that kind of thing. I'm. I just you just you just trap me out for the red carpets. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>